0: Hi everyone, I'm 2010 Olympic silver medalist and TSN curling analyst Cheryl Bernard. On this, the second episode of Behind the Hack, my guest is 2014 Olympic gold medalist Brad Jacobs. I spoke to Brad in late July just as he and his team were starting to gear up for the 2017 18 curling season. And now a quick word from our sponsor, and then Brad Jacobs. Curler's Corner is located inside the Calgary Curling Club. It is your one-stop curling shop no matter where you are in the world. Celebrating 24 years, Curler's Corner is family owned and operated and has been providing curlers of all levels from beginners to world champions with the equipment they need to give their best performance on the ice. Whether you're looking for a broom, shoes, a slider, gloves, embroidery, or customized apparel, or simply looking for gifts for your next bond spiel, Curler's Corner has what you need to fill your curling equipment needs. Drop in a Curler's Corner at the Calgary Curling Club. Give them a call at 403-270-0220 or visit www.curlerscorner.com. Curler's Corner,
1: your one-stop curling shop.
0: Hey Brad, thanks so much for being on uh, with me today. This is um, a new series I'm kind of doing. It's called Behind the Hack, which is more about the mental side of the game. So... uh, Brad Jacobs, uh, ranked, I think, your second on the World Curling Tour this season, Briar Champion, World Silver silver Medalist, Olympic Trials Champion, and, of course, our defending Olympic Champion as we're heading into probably one of the most exciting uh, times of the year, the next Olympic uh, Trials and the Olympics going forward. So I think it's a good time to talk to you because I think this year is going to differentiate a lot of the teams that work on the mental side of the game or that have that inner resilience because all else being equal, the tactical, the the physical training, I think the mental is going to be one of the secrets for these teams going in to handle all the pressure of a, you know, once every four-year opportunity. So thanks for being on today, Brad.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Cheryl.
0: So, you know, I'd like to go back to the, your 2014 or 13-14 season where you won. It was an incredible time for you guys. You won the Canadian pre-trials, the Canadian trials, the Olympic gold medal. And maybe you could kind of talk to us a little bit about how mentally exhausting or taxing it was to play at your peak for in three very high-stake, pressure-filled events in such a short period of time. And maybe talk a little bit about did your team at the time know how to deal mentally with that pressure, and do you think you've learned some stuff going forward for this year?
1: I'd like to go back even further, Uh, go back to the Briar the season before. Um,
0: 2013 right
1: yeah yeah it all happened it was all in a pretty short period that all that happened for us it was march between march and well february it was all within one year if you were to include the olympics in there and uh i remember going to the briar we all went to the briar as a team obviously We, we ended up winning that thing and going to the world championships and um that was the most exhausted I can ever remember feeling uh, mentally after, after the World Championships, even playing in the World Championships. If you'll remember in the World Championships, we were I think we were undefeated for about five or six games in a row, and then we ended up going seven and four. I think we all kind of hit a mental and physical exhaustion point because we had never gone through that before. We had never won the Briar. We had never gone to the Worlds and, and put ourselves through all of that that hardship it's it's tough it's tough to when you win the briar you go home and everyone wants to celebrate and and then you have to turn around you have to go out and do it all over again at the world championships and it's it's a difficult task so i do think that going through that going into the next season having gone through that that tough time through the briar and and through the world's definitely helped prepare us for the mental capacity that you have to have when you play in the the pre-trials and the Olympic trials and the Olympics and I know that one of the secrets for our team I think at that time was we didn't really put any pressure on ourselves to to win anything we would just go out there and and try to play as best as we possibly could every single game we were really really hungry because uh, we hadn't won anything before and well and well we had won the briar so we were coming off winning the briar going into those pre-trials we were a little disappointed when we didn't get directly into the trials at that time because we were Briar champs, we had a really good season, uh, but the way that it worked out, we just missed out uh, by a little bit. But in hindsight, I think going through the pre-trials really helped us out. Um, I remember going into the pre-trials and we played our first game against uh, Greg Balsden and we were winning pretty big. I think we were winning like 8-3 or something like that after seven ends and we ended up losing like 10-9. And that was crushing. That was our first game in the pre-trials, and I remember going back to the hotel, and you've got all sorts of things going through your mind. And for me, at Skip, I was thinking to myself, "Okay, well, maybe this isn't meant to be. Maybe, maybe, maybe this <laughs> this isn't going to happen for us. But, but that's okay. And I think Fry, because I, I room with Fry all the time, he was he was really upset too. And well, I, we were all we all were. But rooming with Fry, I think he went for a little walk and came back, and we both just kind of hit the reset button at that point and said, "Okay, man, we're we're in we're in tough here. This is going to be a tough uh, this is going to be a tough go at this pre-trials, and if we win, we win. If we don't, it's fine. It's it's all good." And uh, we ended up we ended up going out there and, and playing really well for a bunch of games in a row, and we were able to sneak into that last spot. And I'll I'll never forget like the game we played against Latok. Um, it's all right, I remember that team actually. It, it's it's funny how things work out because we probably should have never made it to the trials. They had us hired in in nine, and we got mm-hmm. a huge huge break that uh, allowed us to stay alive. I think that was to stay alive, if I'm not mistaken. I think the loser was out at that point, and um, it's crazy how things work because I, I'm I'm looking at the rocks in nine, going okay. I, I don't see how he can miss this and I'm sorry Steve if Steve ends up listening to this but <laughs> it, when you, you know it's it's wild the the sequence of events that can happen sometimes in sport and the breaks that you can get that kind of propel you to the next level or to a championship and I think about that pre-trials and all the crazy stuff that happened and then we went to the trials and, and we we ended up playing lights out and like I said I think the big reason why we were able to play lights out at that trials is because we went in there with zero expectations. We were, like, happy to be there. Just, we were happy to be there, and it was our first time playing in the event, and we all kind of said to one another, okay, let's just go out and play as best we can and see what happens. And lo and behold, we ended up playing probably the best we've ever played as a team. Um, We went undefeated at that thing. Uh, It was great. So, so yeah, I guess just to continue a little bit further, the Olympics was definitely a lot of people ask us about the trials and how stiff the competition is in the Olympic trials and how it you know it's it's harder to win the Olympic trials than it is the Olympics. But uh, I'm not sure I agree with that statement because, and you've been through all this, you know you know just as well as I do. It's that maple leaf on your back is yeah. pretty heavy and. When you go when you go into the Olympics, especially at that time, there was uh, well, Bushu had won in 06, Martin had won in 2010 on home soil, and it's like you feel the pressure to continue that. Otherwise, you're letting down <laughs> curling. You're letting down Canada. You're you're letting down yourselves, etc. So, I still think to this day that mentally, the Olympics was the yeah. toughest event we've ever played. It.
0: Yeah. No. You know what? And, and I I would agree with you. I have no doubt um, that the trials is a tough event to play in just because the teams that are stacked up at a trials is incredible but that's more I think from a shot making ability but when you get to the Olympics it's now all about the mental side again it is about being able to wear that maple leaf and not feel that pressure and those distractions and everything that comes with it and trying not to put so much pressure on yourself as a team and I think that's always so easy to say and so hard to do.
1: You look at how we started off our Olympics at one and two, and you, it, it was evident that we were feeling that pressure. And once oh, again, yeah. It, yeah, exactly, right? So it was evident we were feeling that pressure. It was coming from everywhere. And once again, it was just time to hit the reset button. Okay, who cares? Who cares how we do here? You, you almost have to tell yourself that mentally in order to be able to go out there and play your best. It, it's it's funny how that works. That's kind of one of the things that I do um, anyways, is not caring. You, you can't care about things uh, as much. That's the way I do it anyways. And for some reason, it, it relieves that pressure, and then you can just go out there and be yourself and, and follow your instincts and, and focus and, and kind of dial it in.
0: Yeah, it's funny you even say that because I just did an interview with Jerry Peckham, and we were talking about this year and the pressures and everything, and, you know, we went back to he and I talking about 2010 and the Olympics and the trials. And that was the exact comment I had where I said, you know, I just really had to say, life's going to be great whether we win this or not. We have really good, we've got family, we've got great husbands. We So you really had to take it yeah. away from being everything in your life. And it's so hard to do because your entire four years that you've just gone through since 2014 has been about this next Olympics. And so you do all that, you prepare, you think about it, you train, and then you now have to put it aside and say, but it doesn't mean anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's all yeah. mental
0: then at that point.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, you talk about how you prepare and, and your your sites are set, teams form for uh, an Olympic run, and that's their goal is the next Olympics. And I, I think now that I look, look at the way things are and what we've gone through. I don't know. I don't know if that's the the proper way of looking at it anymore because it does put a lot of pressure on yourself to, if you do make that Olympic trial, to go out there and, and win it. Form your team to go out and just be a great team. Form your team to go out there and, and win slams and compete compete uh, in the briar, uh, make the playoffs and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I think that a lot of teams are really almost two trials, Olympic trials focused rather than one event at a time focus.
0: No, I think that's well said, very well said, and I think some teams are going to have to relook at how they approach the Olympics and maybe, it's, like you said, you need to focus on being the best team you are, win a Scotties, win a Briar, whatever it may be, be top five on the World Curling Tour, but don't have this focus of, you know, this only once every four-year opportunity. It may come and it may go, and it's only one team every four years, so that shouldn't be your focus.
1: Yes, exactly. I agree.
0: So now, interesting being that I I will find this interesting more because we were in the situation after, but being an Olympic champion opens up so many doors. And, you know, for you guys, it creates opportunities. You get uh, sponsors. Now, it's two ways. Sponsors that have supported you along the way to being an Olympic champion, they have expectations. You also get new opportunities, doors open, and you can do a lot more things. And a lot of Olympic champions talk about going soft, where they have so many things that they lose their focus of and drive that got them to that podium. Do you guys think over these last four years, have you been able to manage all of that, all those expectations, all those sponsor commitments, not get too soft and still have that desire and, and that need to want to go win this again when you already have it?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. And we've talked about it. I do think that uh, we've had our soft moments. I think for some reason for us, um, and we've always been like this, but uh, for those three years that uh, you don't play in the Olympic trials or, or whatever, uh, the, the Briars and the Scotties are your number one, kind of seem to be your number one goal. We always seem to bring our best in playdowns. We always seem to mentally go back to that super winning, want to win everything, uh, killer instinct kind of mentality. Whereas one of the things we struggle with, we've always kind of struggled with it, is bringing that same level of intensity and, and focus and desire to all of the World Curling Tour events. Because, I mean, let's face it, when you're going and you're playing in a curling club, uh, in a in a 2014 bond spiel as opposed to playing in a Briar or a Scotties or even a Grand Slam it, it's, it's a different setting it's a lot more difficult we find to get yourself up. It, we, it was a weird cycle with all the sweeping and the controversy that went on that one season a couple of seasons ago where that was our roughest patch as a team from September to December we uh, we actually played okay um, we, our playoff record was really bad, so we f- really felt like failures at that time because we weren't going deep into playoffs and in really any events. Uh, we felt kind of like we were the last ones to the party with all of the new sweeping techniques and and whatnot. Uh, we we were one of the last ones to figure that out. We got a we got a hold of it. Uh, I would say. Going into that Briar, where we ended up going undefeated in the round robin, we were playing really great at that Briar, um, even though things didn't work out for us. But uh, that's that was kind of when I feel like we went through our lowest time was that September to December of 2015, and then uh, 2000, 2016. I think we've uh, we got back to it, and, and last year, you know what? Last year we had a great year, and. Um, everyone I mean we made four grand slam finals uh, made the Briar playoffs again we won two of those slams Uh, I really think that we had a great season something that we can build off something that is going to give us confidence going into next year so I think we're kind of back I do think we're back and I think that uh, everyone's training pretty hard this summer physically which when it comes to the mental side of the game I think that training physically is extremely important. It gives you a little bit of a mental edge, I, I do believe. So.
0: Yeah, you know what, and I, I look back to that year with the sweeping, and all from the outside, all, you know, it looked to me, you guys had always relied on being so fit, and that was your edge for the brushing. And you guys looked distracted for that season, and I think there was quite a few teams that you know, had always relied on fitness and all of a sudden these brushes were an equalizer and it was an unusual year, a year that you put an asterisk on and and you try to forget it and it seems, you know, that I'm so tired of talking about the brushing, but I'm glad I, I really was impressed the way the players handled it, our association handled it and we got rid of it and now it's back to being fit and being and having that edge because you work hard in the gym during the summer.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we went from having, I believe, the strongest sweepers in the game uh, and, and intelligent sweepers as well, to almost it didn't matter. It, it, it didn't matter what they were able to do because everyone was able to do the same thing. So it was frustrating. It was really frustrating. Um, we were we were relatively quiet about it because we've had enough controversy over our careers to this point. And <laughs> we didn't want to get too into the thick of things there and... and and whatever so but uh it's great that it's back to how it is and I remember even just going into the first event of last season um and looking at the brushing and then watching our team play and thinking to myself we're going to have a good year this year because we're we're back this is all back to kind of normal and, and we have our weapons back we have the Harndons back right yes yeah
0: exactly and and the confidence you could just see the difference with you guys now since 2014, since those Olympic Games, you guys have all gone through, personally, a bunch of, uh, you know, changes with family. Uh, Rai just got uh, engaged. Um, you've got a lot of – you guys are a different team, personally, than you were, In 2013, leading up to to those Olympics, Um, you know, I think at that time the focus, if if I could say so, would probably just be on the four of you. Now the focus for the four of you is on your family and, and careers and a lot more stuff. Do you think that's been now an advantage? Do you think maybe now the four of you go in with a different perspective now that you all have more... I, don't, I guess invested more in your personal lives and things that are probably more important than standing on a podium, if I could even say it that way.
1: Certainly back when we were uh, when we won the Briar, we won the Olympics and stuff, we didn't have anything really to focus on other than we had the significant other and we had our jobs and we had curling. And life was a lot easier. Uh, there's no secret that uh, as soon as you start having kids, things get a little bit more stressful. There's lots of lack of sleep, there's certainly lack of sleep in this house lately, <laughs> <laughs> and that creates stress uh on 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 yourselves as adults as as a couple as a family but uh it this change is, is awesome it's it's a great part of life that people have asked the question to both e j and I because we're the only ones on the team that have kids so far. You know, they've even tried. They tried to compare winning an Olympic gold medal to having a child, and <laughs> you just can't do that, right? No. You've got that question so though a few times, but uh, just it's been such a blessing to have these these children in our lives. Now uh, we're growing our we're growing our families. We're growing our our team as a whole, and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't change it for anything. It's been great, but it does make things a little bit more stressful. The, I think the the number one thing. Because you asked that question, and I've heard one time when I was at the RBC Canadian Open, Jim Peart was asked that question, and we were at a little private function, and his response was, thank God for my wife, I have a great wife. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's really what it comes down to when you have when you have a great wife that's able to manage things and hold down the fort at home and let you go out and do your thing, uh, or a great spouse, a great husband, whatever the case might be it makes things a lot easier. You can just go out and, and it's kind of back to, back to normal, back to that feeling that you had three, four years ago where you don't have to worry about anything. We've gone through it. It's definitely been a little bit of a distraction, but I think we're, we're managing it a lot better now. And uh, every year I think it gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier on the spouse and a little bit easier on us. But every time you hit the ice, you go out there, it, it's like everything just goes away all your thoughts go away you're just out there to try to do a job curl and I think that's one of the great things about what we do is uh once you hit the ice it's like nothing else matters for the next two or three hours you just have to go out there you have to do a job you have to try to play your best and uh and then if there's any distraction you can deal with them later
0: now you know what that's it's so well said because I used to love especially when i had a business years ago it was like i got to go out and be unplugged for two and a half hours on the ice and you know nobody could text me nobody could email me i got no phone calls and it was heaven to actually be out on the curling ice and then if you can really focus for those two and a half hours because nothing is a distraction at that point and then go back to your life after that it's um, you've got a talent there and, and you know yeah. the other thing too i think brad and i'm sure you say it because i've seen you walk off the ice after a loss and it's not with the family and with kids for some reason it kind of takes the edge off that you can go hey you know what you see your kids you see your wife and you go you know this isn't it's not that bad it's not the end all be all
1: yeah you're right i i agree with that totally and uh, it was i felt exactly that way uh, this year at the Briar when we ended up placing fourth. And uh, once again, things didn't really go our way. We had, I had my wife and my kids there. And yeah, you get to hold your daughter, hold your son, uh, see your wife, give him a kiss. It's just, yeah, it it, it numbs the paint for sure. It's, it's a good thing.
0: So now your team, let me think, I think I'm right. Your team and only two other players at the trial. So Mark and Ben know how... Incredible, it feels like to be an Olympic athlete and an Olympic champion, and and I think the six of you really understand how completely different an Olympics is, and it's a completely different animal compared to any other event you play in. So, how do you think? And we've kind of talked a little bit about it, but how do you guys think at this trial that you're going to manage that desire and that knowledge and that? you know how great it is, and you know you guys want to get back, and have you had conversations on how you're going to manage it there?
1: I think we've kind of started having conversations. Uh, we talk all the time, right? Brian and EJ are coming over today, actually, to have a few beers in the backyard, so I'm <laughs> sure there'll be a little bit of curling talk going on, but it's one of those things where I think we're probably going to try to go into this trial like the last one with with very little expectations. It's going to be so hard because... I know that uh, we know that the media is going to be honest. We we came off a good year last year. We're defending uh, Olympic champions, trials champions, and we know that it's going to be tough to limit the distractions uh, and the expectations. But you just have to mentally dumb it down a bit, I think, dumb it down and go in. Like, it'll be our goal to go into that trials uh, as confident as humanly possible, just playing as best as we possibly can feeling mentally and physically just ready to go so (laughs) it's going to be tough but i think we can do it and yeah i mean that's about it it's simple it's one of those things where already because we just did a little uh tour for one of our sponsors northern credit union and there's a we we traveled around with the gold medal and a lot of people want to talk about the last olympics and this coming trials and and a lot of people were wishing us luck in the in the upcoming Olympic trials, and I would say, well, what about the six events before that? <laughs> we're, not, we're not at the Olympic trials yet. I, I go, thank you, but uh, but we've got we've got a bunch of events before that, so it's one event at a time here. It really, I'm not for me, and I think the whole team. There's no point in even thinking about the Olympic trials until about a week before it, and doing doing everything we can to prepare ourselves, play well in that event, but. Uh, to be honest with you, we want to win every single event before that. that, that <laughs> well, and those events are really important.
0: Well, and that and that is it really. And the problem is, and, and I know exactly what you're saying, is the media. I'm, I'm asking you. Everybody's already at the Olympic trials. And you're not there yet. And if you go there now, you, you'll be exhausted by the time you get
1: there. Oh, 100%. 100%. What's today, July 29th?
0: Yep, and I'm asking July, you about it.
1: <laughs> July 29th. It's a sunny, beautiful day at Sault Saint Marie. Like I said, Ryan and EJ are coming over to have a couple beers, and that's that's the day we're on today. We're yeah. not at December second, and it's all good. I mean, we can talk about it, um, and and we're going to get those questions from everyone. I I know that, but uh, that's probably going to be my response the whole time because, like you said, we will be exhausted. We'll be we'll be stressed out if we just go there and mentally put ourselves there when there's no need to right now.
0: No, if you if you start that already, it's funny you talk about Ryan and EJ coming over, and and I find that fascinating with your team. It's family. It's that's good and bad on a small team. But what do you think? Some of the advantages, and maybe even if there's disadvantages to playing at this level with family.
1: Well, I think it's getting better every year. I I think it's getting better every year because we're we're getting more mature. We're we're going through all of these experiences together it's i think it's even getting better with with fry although he's not blood it feels like he is yeah. um you know i feel like our team is really able to just get things off our chest and move on quickly i mean we're all men and uh being family and stuff but at the end of the day we're still family Fry's family we we all just want to go out there and win so badly sometimes yeah there's 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 things that happen. There's, there's blow-ups sometimes. Not too often anymore, though, to be honest. I think that happened a lot more in the past. Whereas now, it's just things get said and it's forgotten about almost instantly. And you just move on and you try to make the next shot. Like it, It's great. You're just out there to try to compete and win together and uh, say what you need to say in order to help the team make the next shot. Even though tempers sometimes flare, hey, you know what, that's the heat of competition in, in our opinion. And and we're going to go out there and, and give it all we've got. And there's going to be a couple of disagreements, some bickering along the way. Big deal. We're, we're out there to win. And if at the end of the day we're holding the trophy and we fought our way there, <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> so,
0: well, and I, yeah, I look at your team and think family is an advantage, really, because you guys have such a trust in each other that you can say whatever needs to be said and know it's
1: fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There doesn't need to be any whispering, you know, at the hotline, yep. or it's just, <laughs> you know, it might be F you, and away we go.
0: <laughs> I like it. Now brings me to this next question. You guys and and are known for being somewhat intense on the ice, and 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 I my opinion is teams, I you know, we talk so much in psychology and coaching where they say, you know, teams need to control their intensity, but. I, I'm of a different opinion. I think each player has a number. I look at Kevin Cooey, his intensity number is probably one, and yours is probably nine. But that's what you guys inherently know uh, is the number you play your best at, and that's actually what I think is is an art of understanding that don't try to be the same as everybody else out there. Um, but have you ever thought as a skip, yourself personally and i don't know about the other three that you have ever been too cranked up out there and is there somebody on the team that brings you down or do they just let you go
1: great question i think i think it's really important like you said to just each individual player it's it's wild the sport we play right because no one sits on the bench and everybody's a part of every shot at all times so everybody has to go out there and they have a job to do i think one of the most important things is letting everyone be themselves Um, at all times and understanding one another. So if someone is a certain way, just knowing how they are and knowing how to respond to them, knowing how to deal with them, whether they're ignorant or or (laughs) whatever the case might be, but knowing that that's just how they need to be in order to play their best. And I think we have a really great understanding of that. I think that it's going out there, trusting your instincts, and, and going with it. Um, there's definitely been some times where we've, we've been too cranked up. There's, there's no doubt about it. That's probably a result of way too much Red Bull before games, which <laughs> I to get away from. But yeah, it, I think that right now, as, when I look at our team, I think that we're probably in the best uh, mental and physical state uh, we've ever been in, and I, I believe we, we understand one another very well. And uh, I think everybody knows just what everyone needs and how everyone needs to be in order to be at their best. And even though we are a team, we're four individuals, and you have to let the individual – the better the individual is, the better the team is. That's kind of what I think.
0: Yeah, the, the sum of the parts. I do have to chuckle and then because I've known Fry for years and years, and I remember Fry when he was a, a hothead and a temper, and <laughs> I actually think he's the calming influence on the team.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he – you know, I don't like when he's calm. We don't like, uh, when he's, but don't say that. I don't want him to listen to this and then no. But he uh, he he probably he probably is, and especially the position he plays at third, going between myself and the front end. But I do think that when we bring Fry up to uh, a super intense level, he plays like his best. And I think back to like thirteen, the two thousand thirteen fourteen season. He was uh, he was calm. I think he, he was calm, but he had, like, this, this massive intensity to him. It was kind of hidden, but it was there. You could see it in his eyes all the time and, and how he talked and stuff, and I think that he's there right now.
0: Does it ever get, like, that brings me to a question even for you, or, or I mean, I'll only ask you because we're talking to you, but, does it ever get exhausting to be at that level, or is that just you come off games and you 're still fired up, or do you really have to crank it down in between games and at night?
1: Well, I think that if if you really want to win badly if you're giving it your absolute all, you just go to that place every single time instinctually so if there's ever a time where someone isn't at you know that number that you talk about that they should be at then there's a problem there so does it get exhausting absolutely I think that uh, we might exhaust ourselves more than other teams but that's the level that we need to be at in order to play our best so if we're not bringing it every time then we're just shooting ourselves in the foot and we're not giving ourselves the best opportunity to win
0: so now this kind of leads me to there's been many games where i watch you make a, a run back double and then you've got to go down the next shot and you got to draw the pin so what take me kind of through or do you have anything to go from that intensity of a big run back and the brushing and the excitement down to a delicate draw shot do you have a way of lowering your heart rate do you have do something to kind of settle yourself Is it your pre-shot routine how do you settle in for that kind of shot
1: Um, I just, you know, I don't think there's anything. (laughs) I I really don't think there's anything. I think it's just um, being in the moment, knowing that uh, you you know know what needs to be done. Um, I think that, you know, the the time in between shots allows you to just calm down a little bit. Um, And staying in the moment. So that run back double has happened. Uh, Now it's gone and now this is the shot that needs to be made. And no matter what it is, it could be a draw, it could be a hackway shot. It's just now throwing away the last shot, throwing away maybe the emotion from the last shot, getting in the hack and uh, focusing in as much as you possibly can on delivering a good stone on the next one.
0: Do you have a, uh, like a consistent pre-shot routine that kind of allows you, as you say, stay in the moment and not focus on the outcome? Do you have something you do every shot no matter what shot it is?
1: Well, I know that my pre-shot routine is the same every time. Um, <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to look at it to know exactly what it is. I, I don't think it's anything I consciously consciously think of. It's just something that is done, and I I try to do that every time. Like, Which like settles you across. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, one of the things a lot of teams talk about is debriefs, and and I think with you guys, you know, being family and close and everything else, but a lot of teams talk about what they do for debriefs after games, and, you know, teams will talk about the ice conditions, or they'll discuss strategy or calls maybe that they didn't like as a team. Do you guys, and I think I know the answer, you guys would be very brutally honest about this kind of stuff, but do you have these debriefs after every game? Do you have them after a day? Do you have them when the weekend's over? Do you have these discussions?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So we actually tried to uh, force this issue um, when we were kind of struggling in that time time period I talked about earlier uh, where we would, you know, meet at the hog line like a lot of teams do, meet at the hog line between ends and uh, have your pre-game discussion, have your post-game debrief and, and do all that. But it felt forced. Every time we, we tried to meet at the hog line or every time we – tried to have these discussions as a team and make it formal, it felt forced and it didn't feel like us. Because um, let's face it, I mean, we do play at a pretty intense level and, and if the shot's missed, there's no secret that we're all ticked off. A lot, Everyone gets ticked off when they miss a big shot in an end. Um, but to be honest with you, when we miss a big shot, none of us really want to talk to one another. <laughs> to, to meet a dog line and to talk about it is, just like it's not something that we want to do we just want to move on to the next end and and put a good end together then we know what needs to be done so there's nothing to be said with us we don't have formal debriefs we don't have formal real formal discussions before games we just kind of go with whatever's working at the time and we we talk all the time It's talking in the vehicle after the game talking on the way to the game in the vehicle uh the only time we actually had any kind of formal uh, thing going on was at the Olympics, actually, and we needed it at the time. When we were one and two, we met in our room. Well, we had like a, a condo, so we all stayed in this condo-type room, and we all met in the living room, and uh, we had a, a little pre-game uh, thing that Paul Webster and Tom Colterman put together for us, and we did it before every single game, and it became like this thing that mentally got us it was that switch that turned us on, and we were ready to go out and play. So that was the only time I can really ever remember we had a formal get-together before games, and it ended up working out really well for us. We haven't really done it since, because that's what worked in, at that time, at that event, in, in those moments. So
0: Well, wow. and, and like you said, when it's forced, it's actually not effective.
1: Exactly. And that's how we all felt. We were like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, no. It, I, it, it's, not, it's not genuine. It's,
0: now, who called at the Olympics? That's kind of interesting. Did you? Did your team say, "Hey, we need something. We need something here," or was that your 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 extended team? Your Paul Websters, your Coulterman. Was it was it those guys that fought?
1: Yeah, for sure. They they knew we were in trouble. Curling Canada never wants you to. Uh, you know, they're there to help you out. They don't want you to fail. They don't want. you nope. They're there, to whatever they can, right? And they knew everyone knew that and we knew ourselves that we were in big trouble at one and two and uh, we just weren't being ourselves so uh, when we won the olympic trials TSN put together a little highlight video for both our team and uh jennifer jones's team of all of our best moments at the olympic trials the an imagine Dragons song it was about a three minute video and the first time we did this debrief if i remember correctly or sorry not a debrief it's like a post-game pump-up thing First time we did it, Paul put that video on. We we watched it and at the end of the video he said he said that's the team that you guys need to be and he said that uh, we haven't seen that team here yet this week. But that's a team that if if you're bringing that type of attitude, that type of intensity every single game, nobody in the world wants to play you guys. And it's it's a great video obviously. It's a highlight video of ourselves, so we love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when, he, <laughs> when he said those words, and it, it really hit home. And I, we were going out, that was our fourth game, and it was uh, we were playing against Russia, in Russia. And uh, that was the turning point. It was about halfway through the game where we made a shot for, I think, three. Uh, just a peel-weight hit, drive them through a hole for three, and we all went nuts. And I think that was the turning point of our Olympics where – we just went out every single game, and we brought that same intensity that we brought to the Olympic trials to every single game in the Olympics, and that's what helped us win the Olympics.
0: It's funny, you know, and I wasn't even going to ask you this question, but just because you talked about Paul Webster, I don't think a lot of um, curlers understand when you win an Olympic trials that suddenly you go from a four- or five-person team to a extended team of new coaches and Curling Canada people, and they're all trying to help, and it's it's good, but it's also a new development for a team that's never been there before. And did you guys find it, I guess, a distraction at one point? And obviously, you found it a huge help. But did you also find it a distraction and something else you had to kind of get used to as Olympic champions?
1: Uh, yeah. So we've we've used we've got well we've had the opportunity to use Paul and Rick Lang. I, I don't want to leave out Rick because. Northern Ontario, boy, everybody knows Ricky. So, mm-hmm. those, yeah, those guys, when, when they're added to your squad, I think they're they're amazing. Um, whether you use them a whole lot or not, it, it kind of becomes a thing where once you've used them once, uh, you want to use them all the time because you know you've won something big. And if you do need to lean on them in, in the case that we needed to in Sochi – they were right there for us, and everything that they did for us or said to us uh, really put us where we had to, where we needed to be. And and not to leave out Tom as well. It was all three of them. It was uh, it was a collective coaching strategy that they came up with that really helped us turn the switch on, get back to what. Uh, we had to do uh, how we normally are, and it, it worked out for us. I think that it's amazing having those guys around, uh, having Rick and having Paul. We believe that they're just amazing coaches. Um, Paul is an amazing coach, technical coach, He and mentally too, I believe he's an amazing coach, and same with Rick. I mean, these guys, Rick has been through it all, right? We all know that, and I believe he worked in, uh, well, he was a social worker his whole life. He knows about how to get people where they need to be he's so it's great having those guys around i really do believe that it's great having them around and you use them accordingly
0: yeah, yeah and, and i think that's the key to it too is they they are so knowledgeable and have been lots of them through you know jerry peckham paul webster through numerous olympics that they kind of know not to force anything but they're always kind of on the sidelines and they're ready like in your situation to jump in and go hey we know what you need right now do you guys need this and yes and so i think it's the understanding and maybe having your own coach able to manage that new extended team that you get and and kind of call on them when your team needs it yeah,
1: yeah exactly that's perfectly said yeah
0: how um you know it was somebody said to me that being an olympic athlete is a lifestyle not an event once you become an olympic athlete it's a completely different life and so my personal question to you is how has being an olympian changed you on and off the ice maybe but how has it changed you as a person oh i know deep i know deep
1: <laughs> i don't even know how to well certainly one of the one of the great things i think about it is um we've been able to meet a lot of people we've been able to, we've we've gotten the sponsorships and all that stuff which is great it allows us to it takes off that financial stress of traveling, and our seasons are so expensive. Everybody knows that. So, um, the sponsorships certainly help us travel and be able to compete and not worry about where the the next trip is going to be paid from, or whatever the case might be. We we've, we've been through that too. So, but one of the great things I think we've had a we've had a, we have a golf tournament every year that we've had since two thousand thirteen, where we we raise a lot of money for local charity here in Sault Ste. Marie, so we're able to give back in a lot of instances. Um, we give out a lot of things for prizes because people want the, the stuff that we have, the, the jerseys and some of the gear and, and whatnot. How it's changed us personally, I think that after, after we won, I definitely think we were maybe a little bit cocky here and there. <laughs> uh, let's be honest. I mean, you, you reach the pinnacle, you're, you're flying high. You think you're a big dog, and then all of that kind of eventually goes away, which is great because that's not a that's not a good way to live. Let's let's be honest. But it's we're just, we're right back to normal. We're normal guys. Curlers are normal people. You know that, just like anyone else. Um, we're normal people. We're we have families. Uh, we don't make millions of dollars doing this thing. We do have great opportunities to to showcase our talents our abilities in front of millions of people um, with all the great television coverage and whatnot so it's it's great but we're normal people we just go out there we compete and a lot of us have jobs so it changed us a little bit I think it changed us a little bit initially after it happened but I think we're all pretty much back to normal and we do what we can to to play and compete and keep our sponsors happy and give back to the community and to other people when we can
0: well and I think you glossed over it a bit but you know, it's a choice after you stand on a podium, you now have an influence, and you can use it to make a difference or not. And you guys have made the choice to give back to community and to raise awareness and raise funds for charities, and, and that's a choice. You don't have to do that as an Olympic athlete. So, uh, you know, congratulations to you and the team for doing so. Yeah, thank you. Two more questions, then we're done. One okay. just kind of this summer. What have you guys done this summer? I, I remember – uh, you talked about the summer is your time to work on fitness and everything else. Has that been your focus this summer, or have you taken time away? What have you specifically done this summer to kind of get ready for this next season?
1: Well, I feel like that's kind of just starting now, or maybe within the last couple of weeks, because after the season ended, so we had, listen to this, we had Ryan Harden's stag. We had <laughs> Ryan Harden's bachelor party. We had <laughs> Ryan Harden's wedding. We had our golf tournament. Uh, my wife and I went on a trip to Miami, and we did a cruise for a week. That was kind of her. That was that was for her because she's been cooped up in the house having babies and uh, nursing and all that stuff for the last three years. So we did that. So we have really enjoyed ourselves as much as we could in the beginning of this summer, while at the same time still making sure that we're going to the gym and not turning ourselves into complete slops. I mean, let's be honest. We don't want that to happen. So we've, uh, we've had a lot of fun. But we've, we have been training. We have been in the gym every week, several times a week. Um, everyone's a little bit different. Everyone works out a little bit differently. I do full body three days a week, and sometimes I'll be able to sneak myself in there once or twice more than that. I was actually full-time dad for my kids from about the middle of May to the end of June as well when, uh, when Shauna went back to work. So it was crazy. It was, uh, it was crazy. It was great, but it was different. Um, with the little ones so right now I feel like over the last couple weeks our golf tournament just ended that's kind of always the the time where we go okay time to switch back into training uh, hard and for us because we've trained so much over our whole lives it doesn't take a whole lot it doesn't take a whole lot to get to where you want to be I, I truly believe that you know a little bit of clean up the diet a little bit keep the training going because we have still been training and and lifting and and exercising and everything, we're going to be ready when the season hits, 100%. And I I do think that it's so important to be physically where you want to be. I mean, we have two things. We have our minds and our bodies. And if your mind and your body are at their maximum potential or always striving for your maximum potential, I don't even know if you can reach your maximum potential. There's always more you can do. There's always further that you can go. But... Your body is just as important as your mind. So training your body is, is, in our opinion, so important. When you have those two things checked off the list, when you go into every event, um, as well as you've been practicing, uh, you can go into an event as a really confident individual. So that's, that's, that's our goal.
0: Brad, over the past few years, many of the elite teams have started including a sports psychologist as part of their support team. And if memory serves me correctly, your team has worked with a sports psychologist for a few years now. No, so we do have
1: a, a sports psychologist. And we've brought him to the Briar. We've brought him to events. His name's Arthur Perlini. He's, uh, he was actually the dean at a uh, local university here, Oklahoma University, for many years. He's back in the classroom now, but he's our psychologist. He is a psychologist. And uh, we've had him for many years. I think we, we used to use him uh, a lot more, especially back when, You know, you talk about Fry having his moments out there and and being a hothead. We were certainly that way as well. We we used him a lot back then. We still use him now, but I think that over the course of the last several years of using him all the time and the experiences that we've gone through and stuff, I think we do know uh, a lot more now than we ever have, and we don't need... We don't need to have discussions, deep discussions with him as much. The discussions seem to get shorter and shorter because you're just gonna you're just gonna mm-hmm. talk about the same things over and over again. We don't want to do that. So um, we do have we do have Arthur. Um, we use him. Uh, he's actually involved with a lot more uh, sports individuals and sports teams in Sault Ste. Marie now. Since a lot of people have heard that we've been working with him for years, so so yeah, it's good.
0: Final question, I think I said there was only two, but there was three. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of young curlers are going to be listening to this. And so I guess based even on that discussion with the psychology, if you could kind of go back and have a conversation with yourself maybe at 18, what would you suggest um, that you would have done differently or that you would have worked harder on from maybe the mental side of the sport at an earlier age than maybe you ever did?
1: Oh, it's tough. It's tough. I think one of the things, though, for sure, uh, if I could go back and talk to myself, I would probably say, if I was 18, I'd probably say have have a little bit more of a pre-game routine. One of the things that I think has done wonders for our team is uh, the the we say that the game starts two hours before. It doesn't start at 3 o'clock, you know, when you hit the ice, if, if the game's at 3 o'clock. It starts at 1 o'clock, where you're warming up your body, you're stretching. We show up to to the arena already stretched. We don't have to stretch because we're we're ready to go when we get to the arena. Start start that process long in advance before games. Get your body going, get your get the blood flowing, get your mind right, flip the switch on a little earlier and then go out there and uh, be a killer. Go out there and be a killer. Um, it's it's sport. You're able to, you're allowed to go out there and, and have that killer instinct and, and want to compete and, and win as much as humanly possible. Um, I think there was probably some instances when I was younger where I was lazy, maybe a little bit lazy, maybe didn't have that killer instinct, and I think that uh, it would have probably paid off a little bit more when I was younger.
0: Well, and I think even we talked about it earlier in the interview where I think a lot of athletes, and I would say this to young kids, they try to be what other people think they should be out there and figure out what it is for you that you need to be to play your best and go with it, and don't try to be what other people think you should look like.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and that's what I said earlier about being yourself. Just go out there and be yourself. That's, I think you're right. That's important.
0: Well, Brad, awesome talking to you, and thanks for being so honest throughout this entire conversation and uh, for taking some time away, especially from your family, and I appreciate all the time.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for having me, Cheryl, and uh, thanks for this opportunity, and I'm sure we'll see you soon.
0: That does it for Episode 2 of Behind the Hack. My thanks to Brad Jacobs for joining me and thanks to you for listening. Join me next time when my guest will be Jerry Peckham, the director of High Performance for Curling Canada.